This morning. Welcome to a brand new Sunday, the first Sunday of a brand new year, the month of January. Did you know that January, actually, the name comes from a Roman god, Janus, J A N U S. It was a two faced god. One face kind of looked back toward the past year, maybe with some sadness, maybe with some regret of things left unsaid or left undone. But the other face looks toward the new year with anticipation, with hope of what can be. Maybe some joy, maybe a little bit of excitement. I hope that's where you are today here at Crosspoint. I pray that God's Spirit will speak to us as we look forward but also as we look back, and I always like to start the new year by asking you the same question I'm going to ask you again this year. What kind of year was last year for you spiritually? What kind of year was 2015 for you spiritually? Now I'm going to give you three categories to choose from. Category number one, how many of you would say, well, last year I was just sort of spiritually apathetic? Uh, Maybe you're here today, and you're not even a Christian yet. Maybe someone invited you to come out and check out the claims of Christ and and come join us for the first Sunday of a new year. Start your new year off right, and you accept that that invitation, and we're glad that you're here. But really, for the most part, you didn't think much about God last year. And, And even some of you that are believers, some of you that are Christians, maybe didn't think much about God either. I mean, your prayer life wasn't much. Your church attendance really wasn't all that great. Your giving certainly wasn't really with a a spirit of joy. It was kind of all flat for you. Category number two would go something like this. You started off last year very, very well. But then things began to drift. Oh, you had good intentions. But then you got sidetracked by the cares of life. Your prayer life was up one day and down the next day. One day you were patient with your kids, and the next day you were yelling and screaming at your kids. You were on again, off again. Did that sort of describe you? Spiritually inconsistent. Or category number three, spiritually. How many of you would say, I was spiritually consumed with the things of God? I mean, I... I, I, My daily quiet time was a priority to me. I looked forward to that time with God. And and I felt God's leading. uh, By no means was perfect, uh, but I kept short accounts with God. Man, I I, I got prayed up and, and talked to God about those times when I fell short. But for the most part, I was really on mission for God. Does that describe you? Or how many of you would say, I sort of, if you're real honest, I sort of fell in category one and two. 
That was sort of me. Would you say that this morning? Can I see your hand if you'd say, I'm category one or two this morning? Okay. I see, I see somebody going, <laughs> okay. Well, would you admit with me that we have an enemy that doesn't want us to put God first in our lives? We've got to admit that. There is this power struggle. This enemy wants us to, you know, he doesn't, he, you know, he doesn't want you to become a Christian, but once you become one, he just wants you to be apathetic, sort of lukewarm, just sort of, you know, lullaby and good night while the Christians are asleep. Come to church, go to sleep. Just don't do anything great for God. That's the way the devil kind of works. But Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, our verse for, key verse for today, says this, But seek first, before you do anything else, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you as well. What things is he talking about? Well, all the things that we worry over, food, clothing, shelter, all that stuff that we need. God says, just seek me first, I'll provide that, I'll take care of that. Put me first, it's a matter of trust. Are we going to trust God? to do what he said he would do. Now, I guarantee you, if you put God first in the next four areas that I'm about to talk about in your life, this will be the best year you've ever had spiritually. Now, notice I said spiritually. I did not say that you would not have any problems. I did not say that it would be a perfect year. I did not say that your children would always behave and they'd rise up early and call you blessed, all right? I didn't say any of that stuff. But spiritually speaking, if you get these four things on straight, you're going to have a great year. Number one, first of the day, seek God. The first of the day, just seek God. Now, I'm not going to be legalistic about this uh, because I know some of you are morning people and some of you are night people and some of you don't wake up to the crack of noon and you know all that stuff. Someone asked me one time, Bruce, what's the best time to have a quiet time? I say when you're at your best, okay? So I'm not legalistic about this. But you know what we all can do? We can all sort of wake up, and as you wake up, I've sort of trained my mind to be in the habit to tune into God early. And even before I get out of bed, I will say, good morning, Lord, in my head. Don't say it out loud. You wake up, you know, the missus. Somebody says, do you wake up grouchy in the morning, Bruce? I says, no, I just usually let her sleep. <laughs> Ooh, she's here today. Sorry about that. But you say, good morning, Lord. And, and, and before you get out of bed, you just kind of mentally say, my hands are yours. My feet are yours. My mouth is yours. Use me today. But if you're going to use me, I'm going to need your help. And so you kind of just say that in your mind. And now you get out of bed and you go on, you know, do whatever you got to do. Start your day with prayer. And, and, and in Psalm 63, David went through all kinds of stuff. And here's how he prayed. Oh God, you are my God. Early I, will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land. Where there is no water. Man, he says, man, when I get up, when I look at my day, when I look at all that I'm facing, God, I need, I need you like a thirsty man in the desert needs some cool water for refreshment. 
Jesus, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place. And what did he do there? He prayed. Now, I guarantee you, if Jesus needed a quiet time with his father, and as busy as he was, so do we. I'm too busy for a quiet time, Bruce. Then you're too busy. You need to just get that on straight. If you're going to start this new year off right, if you want this year to be different, we need to understand this. And so get a daily, some of you need to get a daily Bible reading plan. I used to just pick up my Bible and read it, and that was kind of rough, you know. Uh, but then the, the, we've come up with some nifty, really good tools, chronological Bibles. And last year, see what I'm holding up here? Some of you are going, looks vaguely familiar. Others of you go, oh, yeah, did it twice last year. Others of you have said, you know, I started off, I was that you know, spiritually apathetic guy, and I started off well, and, but didn't get too far into it. I would recommend, if you're not used to a daily Bible reading time, do the story one more time. It's an abbreviated version of the Bible. It's in chronological order, and it, would, it reads like a novel. But here's what I know is going to happen. Even some of you with the best of intentions, you're going to start reading, And you're going to do day one, day two, day three, day seven, day nine, and then something's going to happen, mess up your schedule, right? Right around day nine, ten, and then you're going to miss a day, and then you might get on track, and then you're going to miss two days, and then you're going to miss three days, and then you're going to miss maybe a four or five, and you know there's going to be a little voice that's going to trigger in your head. It's going to say, you know what, you've already messed up so much, you're never going to make it through, so you might as well just give up and quit. Now, here's what I want you to do when that happens. Tell that little voice to sit down and shut up and just pick up where you left off, all right? Now, you say, well, I might not make it through. I know. But some of you only made it a third of the way through last year, and you might make it halfway through this year, and that's more than what you did last year, right? So don't be discouraged. Don't beat yourself up. Just get back up on the horse and ride. Notice the band up here this morning, right out of the gate. String breaks, a couple of things didn't go exactly right. But what did they do? They got back up on the horse and said, you know what, Lord, this is your day. We're just going to worship you. We're going to praise you. Don't be discouraged. Don't be down. Just keep on keeping on. When I lose my place in my outline, and I tell you what, I, I use a full outline, folks. I'd rather get up here with a, without my pants on than without my outline, all right? <laughs> Especially these days, the memory not being what it used to be. But I've noticed there's some things that I've skipped or I've gone over, I messed up. But you know what? I just try to just pick back up where I left off and keep right on going. Somebody said, I didn't even notice that. My wife goes, I did. (laughs) Well, she hears me kind of practicing during the week and that sort of thing. So she may know it a little bit better. Leave my notes around the house. She may pick them up. She may see them. But the point is just seek God the first of every day. Number two, if you want to have a spiritual year... That's like never before. The first of the week, worship. First of the day, seek God. But first of the week, worship. I'm talking about corporate worship, like what we're doing today all together. There's something about us coming together as a church. There's something about Crosspoint getting together that is good for us. You know, the early church did that. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, it says, On the first day of the week, we came together. They're coming to break bread. They're coming to take communion. And Tony, you did an excellent job of leading us today to get plugged in to what Christ is calling us to do. 
not just the tradition, but maybe in a new way think about this and keep it fresh and keep your relationship with God tight. We can all take that corporately together. Paul spoke to the people because he intended to leave the next day. Kept on talking to midnight. What a long-winded preacher, huh? You know, the United States of America, 47% of the people call themselves faithful Christians, attend church once a month. 47%. We're faithful. How often do you attend church and corporately worship with your church family? Oh, we go once a month. Hmm. Why? Well, Sunday, this time of year, the football god's on television, right? Or the kids got, you know, I don't know what it is, soccer or piano recital or, you know, some days it's a good day to go to the mountains. Some days in Southern California, it's a good day to go to the beach. And we tend to get sidetracked. And I tell you, the number one, I'll, I'll say to somebody, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. Sure love to see you back at church. You know, you know, Sunday's the only day of the week that I get to sleep in. Yeah, I know, but we don't start till 10. How late do you sleep? You know? And, and I understand that, you know, the, the spirit may be willing in the flesh this week. We sang a song to that intent today. But the point I'm trying to make is if you want 2016 to be different for you, you're going to have to do some things that are different. Like commune with the saints. Because something happens when we all come together to worship God. And you know what, and I know what, I say this all the time around here. Haven't you ever felt like not coming, but you came anyway, and then you were glad that you did? I hope today's one of those days for you. Make church a priority. Hebrews 10.25 puts it like this. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Have you encouraged someone lately that maybe has been missing, maybe hasn't been here for a while? And all the more as we see the day approaching. Make church a priority and you will have a different kind of a year. I guarantee it. Seek God first at the first of the day. The first of the week, worship God. And then the first of the month, tithe. And, and Sal did a great job this morning talking about that. And, and let me just go on record as saying there's, no, there's nothing in the New Testament that uses the term tithe as far as the church is concerned. A tithe simply means a tenth. If you got a dollar, you give a dime. If you got $10, you give a dollar. If you got $100, you give $10. If you got $1,000, you give a... You know what a tithe is. Not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. Everybody can take part in that. But it was an Old Testament practice, and I'm reading my Bible, and I read that we're under a New Testament. We're under a new and better covenant. And if 10% was what the Old Testament required, and I'm under something better than that, I can't imagine not at least living up to that Old Testament standard. Now, again, I don't want to be legalistic about this, because you don't read about tithing in the New Testament. And when you stop and think about it, it really all belongs to who? It's all God's in the first place. It all belongs to him, right? And so someone says, but Bruce, you don't understand. I get paid twice a week. I get paid once a month. I get twice a week or maybe once a week. Again, I'm not being legalistic here when I use this term uh, on the first of the month. Make sure your tie's getting in. As a matter of fact, you know what I'm noticing more and more um, coming in? I I gather the mail uh, when it comes in uh, every day. More and more of you are having your checks sent directly here from your banks, and it's just simple. You're just on autopilot. And so uh, some of our most faithful giving, 
They, they don't forget. It's, it's just right out there. And young people, as you're passing the trays around, you go by somebody, and you're just standing there and standing there and standing, waiting for something to happen. What you need to be seeing is that's probably one of our most retired business comes direct to us, man. Think about that. And so there's different ways of giving. Are, are we on online giving yet, Tony? Are we? Okay, so you can go that way. You know, make it easy on yourself. It's not a legalistic type of a rule, but under the Old Testament law, Leviticus 27, verse 30, here's what you deal with. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to who? It's the Lord's. First 10%, right off the top, man, that's mine. It's holy to the Lord. Don't want to steal from Him? Now, another thing I want to teach you about our offerings, tithes and offerings. We bring the tithe to God. We don't give it to God. Why don't we give it to Him? He says it's already mine. So we're just bringing to Him what is already His in the first place. What did Jesus say about tithing? Matthew chapter 23, 23. Easy to remember. What sorrows await you, teachers of religious law? And you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from the herb garden. They're out there picking their, counting their mint leaves and then picking off 10% of their mint leaves and giving them to God. But they left the weightier matters of the law undone. They were unjust. They weren't merciful. They weren't filled with faith. Now notice what he does say. You should what? You should like I'm breaking out when I walk away from this. Am I on this or am I on, uh-oh, maybe I'm off. Am I on now? Hello. On, off. Okay, on the internet. I'm just playing around with my walkie-talkie. You should tithe, Jesus says. You should do it. But don't do it like they're doing it. Don't do it the way they are doing it. They're doing it very rigid and legalistic. There's no love behind it. There's no thought behind it. It's kind of like that tradition that Tony was talking about this morning when you get in the habit of taking communion and don't really remember why you do it. No. Understand what's going on here. And someone said to me one time, Bruce, well, why 10%? I mean, let's just go with that number, right? I don't know. I don't know why God. Maybe it's enough to really challenge our faith. Wouldn't you agree with me that, you know, if you've never tithed before and all of a sudden you're going to give 10% of your income? Abraham gave 10%. Jacob gave 10%. Jesus says, yes, you should tithe. And someone says, Bruce, do you realize the crimp in my lifestyle that's going to make if I start doing that? What the big changes I would have to make and what that would take and what that would involve? Yes, I realize that. And that's what it means. To put God first. Remember the story of the widow's might? Jesus is at the temple one day, and he's watching the collection. See, when they did a collection back then, they didn't pass trays around, all right? They had all these different, at the temple, you walk in, there's these different receptacles that you would put your tokens in. Some would go for the priest and keep them you know, healthy, wealthy, and wise. Some would go to take care of the poor. Some would go to... There were different types of tithes and all. And whatever receptacle you put it in, it would go to that particular need. That was the concept. That was the idea. 
And Jesus is watching, some giving much, some giving little. He's just watching people give. You ever stop and think, does Jesus still do that? I think he does. Did you know that Jesus watched you give this morning? He watched you take part in communion. He watched you worship. And part of worship is giving. So he's right in there watching, okay? And then he calls his disciples together. See that, that widow right there? That one right there. She just put in two mites. She gave more than everybody else. And they're going, what are you talking about? Two mites? Let's say a couple of pennies, all right? That's nothing. Jesus, no, you don't understand. She just gave the last two mites that she owns. She has nothing left. She gave all. Now they're getting it, okay? Understand that? Now let me ask you a question. Jesus just watched that happen. Do you think God's going to let that widow starve? Or do you think he's going to take care of her for her great faith? That's kind of where I'm at. He's going to take care of you too. It's a matter, giving is a matter of trust. It's not legal. It's not a legalistic thing that we have to do. It's not one of those things that preachers get up and beat you over the head with at the first of the year or at the end of the year. I think the first of the year is probably the better time to give. A lot of times people give at the end of the tax season, you know. I've got to get that right off in there before the end of the year. You know, I believe the first part of the year is a better time to give. Because giving is not a business transaction. Giving is a spiritual transaction. Amen? First of the day, seek God. First of the week, worship God. First of the month, tithe to God. One more, and it's one we don't talk about much. First of the year, fast. Declare a fast to God. This, too, is not something you read much about in the New Testament, but I believe there's a biblical principle throughout Scripture. Whenever people wanted or needed a significant change in their life, or maybe they needed some help in their life for something, or maybe they just needed some guidance and direction from God, you know what they would do? They would pray and they would fast. Sometimes they'd just skip a meal and spend their meal time fasting. Sometimes they would declare a whole day and fast. If it was a national fast, it may go one, two, three, seven days. Do you remember in the Old Testament, Queen Esther was in a position to do something about helping her people because wicked Mordecai had duped the king into writing a law into the Medes and the Persians, which was an inalterable law, which says on the 13th day of the 12th month, Adar, every Jew on the planet would be wiped out. And her Mordecai comes to and says, Esther, you need to go and tell the king that you're a Jew, and he doesn't want to lose you. You're precious to him. And she goes, I can't just go in before the king, not even the queen. These kings were all fearful of assassination, and they were kind of screwballs. And, you know, if, if you walked in and you weren't invited, you could be killed by the bodyguards. And, uh, but she says, all right, if you guys all pray, pray and fast for me for three days, I'll go. And if I perish, I perish. Ooh, what a spirit, right? 
That's what we love about Esther, man. She's willing to do things God's way and went out there, and if she was going to die, she said, I'm going to die trying to save my people. So there's one-day fast and three-day fast and seven-day fast and even 40-day fast in the Bible. Moses fasted 40 days. Jesus fasted 40 days. There's different types of fasts. There's water fasts. There's juice fasts. Um, there's vegetable fast. And let me give you a little word of advice. If you're not used to fasting, ease into it and ease out of it. You can cramp your lifestyle if you go back to eating too soon. Something happens, though, that is difficult to explain. When your body grows a little bit weaker because of a lack of physical food, the spirit becomes stronger. I don't know how that works. I just know that it does. And you get more in tune with God. Joel chapter 1 verse 14. Declare a holy fast. What's a holy fast? God, I got a need. Now that's holy to you, right? Hagios, separate apart. I got this special need. Call a sacred assembly. Okay, we need the whole church involved. This involves the church. Or you could even go national. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord, your God. And do what? Cry out to the Lord. Now, some of you will fast for your marriages. Some of you will fast for your finances. Some of you will fast for your jobs. Some of you will fast for direction in your life. Some of you will fast for the lost people around you that aren't saved. In our Bible class this morning, one of the ladies was talking about a relative. She says, man, I'm praying for her, and I tried studying the Bible with her. Baby, fast for her and pray. Just keep on moving forward and doing what you're doing. Declare a holy fast. Some of you may be trying to overcome a particular sin that you're trying to get through, and you're going to fast for that. Some of you are going to fast for Crosspoint, because you want Crosspoint to be a great, a better church in 2016 than in 2015 and reaching the lost and accomplishing our goals and some of our vision for next year. And next week, by the way, I hope everyone shows up because I'm going to be talking about that. Jesus on fasting. Matthew 6, 17. Notice. But if you fast, is that what it says? But when you fast. What did Jesus assume we would do? That we would fast. You say, well, Jesus lived under the Old Testament, so isn't that verse strictly Old Testament? Yes and no, but Jesus also knew that the people that he was talking to, some of them would be converts and live into the what? The Christian age. And he's telling them, those that he knows, that will live into the Christian age, but when you fast. See how that's a part of the New Testament? He assumed we would. Put oil on your head. And wash your face. In other words, go through the daily routine that you normally would. Your daily toiletry. You know, guys, we get up, we shower, we shave. You know, you women kind of put on your makeup. Just do what you normally do. So that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting. But only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret, what will he do to you openly? He's going to reward you. You can just count on that. Now, that doesn't mean you can't tell anybody that you're fasting. But the Pharisees told everybody they were fasting, all right? 
That was the point he was trying to make. Don't do that. You know, just don't draw attention to yourself is the idea here. Now, if you do these four things that we just talked about, it will bring spiritual focus to your year, and you will hear God clearly. And so I close this message the way I started by asking a question. How was last year for you spiritually? God died for us, not just to sort of limp along. John 10.10 says, He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Christians should be the most abundant living people on earth. And yet we limp along. Don't go go through another year without God's power in your life. The bottom line is this. If you want what you've always had, then do what you've always done. But if you want something you've never had, do something you've never done. Seek God first. Can I get an amen? amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, here we are in 2016. We are one year closer to your coming. Thank you. We look forward to that time. But you know, for some, time is running out right now. They're not yet believers, and we want anyone here today that doesn't know you to get to know you personally and seek you first. At the What a better Sunday of a brand new year to put you on through baptism than to do that today. Father, we want to get a new order of our priorities in our lives. We... Uh, We want to spend more time on our knees with you. We believe that praying will accomplish more than preaching any day of the week. But Father, help us to do these four principles, to seek you at the first of every day, and the first of every week worship you, the first of every month tithe, and the first of the year declare a fast. And if there be one here today that hasn't accepted your gift of grace, may they do do so this morning through faith, repentance, and baptism. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.